0: Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today on this beautiful snowy day in Wisconsin. And uh, I guess all of you guys have snow plows or uh, snowmobiles, or no, you just have cars, right? So this is what we do here. It's great to see you today. I want to welcome our West Campus, our Appleton Campus, our Online Campus, Germantown Campus. We give a big welcome this morning. It is great to have everybody with us. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn me to John chapter fifteen, I'm going to get there in just a minute. John chapter fifteen. We're concluding this series on re, and uh, next weekend we're going to start a brand new series called Balanced. And I hope that you'll be joining me for that. Uh, We're, you know, in the landscape of the world in which we live in, there's a lot of people that where times financially speaking are very hard. Uh, Money is tight. Jobs are few and surviving today and saving for tomorrow and even trying to live with a future in mind it requires a real delicate balance And so we're going to talk about that what does the bible say about yesterday today and tomorrow uh, when it comes to the area of your finance this is not any kind of a campaign you're not going to be asked to pledge anything there's not going to be an extra offering it is simply just opening up the bible and discussing these financial issues because they deal with all of us the number one reason Uh, that people find themselves in divorce is over money. That's the number one fight that people have, is over finances. And so I think it's applicable for the church and appropriate for the church to address those issues that we're all dealing with. If what we do on Sunday or on the weekend, as far as church is concerned, doesn't minister or speak to what we do during the week, then what value is it? And so I think that we've got to talk about these subjects. Jesus talked more about money and giving than he did about heaven, hell, or prayer combined. It's a big deal because it's just the way in the world in which we live. So we're going to talk about that, and I would encourage you, if that subject matter resonates with you to today as soon as the service is over, whether you're at the West Campus or the Appleton Campus or the Germantown Campus, please avail yourself to the uh, Financial Peace Life Group uh, that will be starting next week and get involved and walk through that. It's some incredible material. Uh, It's it's very well put together and it'll help you especially trying to deal with a difficult terrain when it comes to finances. And again, this is the last weekend for Life Group signups for this winter uh, season that we're in. And so I encourage you, if you've not availed yourself to that, to do that today after the service. You can simply go by and sign up for a Life Group or do it right there on your communication card. As we end this series today, I just remind you what the prefix RE stands for, what it means. It means to go back or to go again. And the last several weeks, we've been walking through these words that begin with RE, with the prefix RE, R E. And they're transformational words, really, when you think about it. To review, to critically look and evaluate what you've done. And we need to do that on a regular basis in our own life, our own spiritual health and growth and development. We need to find that there are places where we need to make course corrections and we need to repent. And that word means to turn or to change. And so we want to go back to that. Once we repent of something, there's times and seasons in our life where we just need to recommit. We need to uh, go back to the commitment that we originally made to Jesus. We go back to the commitments that we've made, and we re-up, we re-enlist, we, we, we crucify our flesh, we take up our cross, and we follow Jesus. And today, I want to talk to you about the word remain. And um, John speaks of, of this probably better than any other book in the Bible. And I just want to kind of dive right into it, and I think it's going to be really applicable to where you're living and I'm living So let's look at this. John chapter 15, starting in verse 4. Jesus says, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, for I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, the word remain means to stay to abide, or to dwell, basically to live. To stay, to abide, to dwell. I'm going to stay in something. I'm choosing to stay in something. I'm going to abide, I'm going to, I'm going to be there, I, I'm going to dwell, I'm going to live in this. This is a choice that I'm making. John uses the word remain 43 times in his gospel. And, and again, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they tell the good news, the story of Jesus. John's Gospel probably is the most down-to-earth, here's the values, here's the virtues, here's why Jesus came and here's how it applies to your life of, of, of the four Gospels. Matthew is more of a, of a Jewish historical document, if you would, that gives us some great insight. Uh, Luke was a physician and uh, he was highly academic, very poor handwriting. I'm just joking. Okay. And, um, but uh, but Luke's, Luke's is very much detailed in some very interesting ways John's is just real down-to-earth. As a matter of fact, when I have people that are new in their faith in Christ and they say to me, Hey Aaron, where should I start? Begin in John chapter 1. Just read the Gospel of John. Because when you read the Gospel of John, it's very understandable. It's very down-to-earth. It's very much right where you live. John was a working man. And he, he talked in those ways and in those veins, and he understood that audience. And so it's just very simple. But he keeps coming back to this word remain 43 times in, in this gospel. And, and the reason why is this, I want you to catch this, is because this word remain, what it means and how it applies to your Christian life, is the key to following Jesus. It's the key to following Jesus. If you want to know how to follow Jesus, if you want to know how to be a Christ follower, not just for a short period of time, but for years, It's going to be important that you understand and that you practice this word remain. Um, I'm not talking about salvation. Uh, The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that I will be saved. Salvation has nothing to do with my works. It has nothing to do with my efforts. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ did on the cross for my sins. For I'm saved by grace, and that not of anything I do. It's a gift of God, lest I would become boastful or arrogant. But after you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he saves you from your sins, and he saves you unto God, you begin this journey following Jesus. And this is where people get off-road. This is where people crash and burn. This is where uh, all of a sudden they find themselves, where that love and feeling is gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. And we're humans. And so many times, even though we don't think that we're that emotional, we really do a lot of what we do by emotion. It's part of the makeup that we are and, and, the, and that God's made us in that way. And so to remain or to follow Jesus, the, the, the key is, is, that, is, is this principle. It's this, this what we're going to talk about today. It's just how to do this. It's not about perfection. Let, 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 me, help, let me help you with this because, again, I think a lot of times people in church think that if I'm perfect enough, I can follow Jesus. It has nothing to do with perfection it, because we're all jacked up. I mean, I'm just telling you, you're messed up, I'm messed up, we're all messed up. We are fatally flawed, okay? Um, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it, it's not about me doing good works. That's important. But, but that's not what this is about. That's not how you follow Jesus. It's about this practice, this principle of remaining. And I want you to notice something. That to remain is your choice, not God's choice. To remain is your choice, not God's choice. If you're going to remain, you get to choose that. Look at it in Scripture. John 15 Verse 4, the beginning part. Remain in me, Jesus says. It's a declarative statement. And I will remain in you. It's cause and effect. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. He doesn't say, I'll remain in you, so why don't you remain in me? He says, I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay in me. I want you to choose to live for me. You to choose to abide, to dwell in me. And if you choose to do that, then I will remain in you. So you have control of this relationship, in essence. You are the one that, and it's not my words, it's Jesus' words. You're the one that has a choice. I'm the one that has a choice. I have the choice every single day what I'm going to do with my life. And and, and, in, and in the end of it, we all kind of do what we want to do. I mean, you can say what you want to say. We're not rock'em sock 'em robots. God doesn't control us in the heavenly with some cosmic joystick. We get to do what we want to do. We eat what we want to eat. We go where we want to go. We choose what we want to choose. Now, we're, we're, we are bound sometimes by decisions that we've made and the consequential effects and the ripple effect of those decisions. We may be living those out. But the reality is, is that I get to choose and you get to choose. That's, that's, we're free moral agents. It's what got us in the mess in the first place. Adam and Eve in the garden. God says you can eat of any tree, of any fruit, do anything you want to except for this one tree. And what do they do? Go do the one thing they're not supposed to do. So before you beat up on Adam and Eve, it's the same thing that we do. We start a diet at the beginning of January. I'm not going to eat this, this, and this. By about day 7, 10, if you're really strong, by day 20, you break down and you're just, you find yourself in the pantry eating an entire box of Little Debbie's cakes. Maybe I'm just confessing, but confession is good for the soul. I'm just saying, we get to choose. And so this ideology of remaining is not God's responsibility. God paid it all. He gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, that we could have eternal life, not just for the sweet by and by, but for the here and now. But whether we choose to live in that, that's our choice. Whether we choose to remain in that, to dwell in that, to take our residency in there, to put our address there, that's our choice. So how does this work? Let me give you a couple of ways to remain in Jesus. Just some real practical stuff. First of all, remain in God's Word. Remain in His Word. Get, make sure that you're involving yourself in the Word of God. And again, just if you've ever read it, it begin in the book of John. John chapter 1. Begin to walk through that and read it. I have people ask me sometimes, what version of the Bible do you read? Well, I have like every version that basically that there is because um, it's kind of my job. But for me personally, a lot of times what I read is the NCV, which is the New Century Version. Which is also known as the new children's version. I'm not the de- I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, and so the reality is is that it's written on a third grade reading level, which is the exact same level that uh, the newspapers written at. So it's 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 common everyday language. It's important that you get, and it's not a transliteration or a paraphrase. It's a translation, which means they're going to go right back to the original text and translate it, so I'm not losing anything. And 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 if you I do this U version, just uh, Google U version. It's a free app. And you can actually download that on your phone and put together a Bible reading plan that works for you. And that's what I do because life is fast, and it's furious, and things happen. And so uh, many times I'm sitting in an airport waiting for a plane, and I'm traveling, or I'm, I'm, I just have time. And so I'm able to, to go through and keep, and it, it's a reminder. It's right there on my smartphone. I'm able to do that. I don't typically do it while I'm driving, but if I'm stuck in traffic, I can pull it out as well. But I'm just giving you some practical things. You have to fight to do this. Look, I read God's Word on a regular basis because I, I prepare a message every weekend. I have graduate-level classes. I'm, I'm taking a class right now on medieval church history and how the Protestant Reformation affected the medieval Catholic church and, and what happened from the first council. of nine, I mean, I'm going through all of this, so I'm in this. But that's all professional. I have to do it for me. And I'm just talking about that's the same with you. It's not about preparing to do a talk or to lead a life group discussion. It's about you. It's about your personal growth. It's about you choosing to allow yourself to remain in God's Word. And so find a practical, reflexive, easy way for you to do it. Go for it. Uh, Remain in Christian fellowship. Remain in Christian fellowship. What do I mean by that? Doing what you're doing right now. Involving yourself. Whether you're at the West Campus, you're at the Appleton Campus, you're at the Germantown Campus, you're involving yourself in Christian fellowship. We need each other. Even if you don't need me, I need you. Does that make sense? I, I need to be around you. I need to see you. We, we need this. And, and, and there's a misnomer in the world in which we live in because of social media that we're connected. But we've never been so disconnected and connected at the same time. It's very much an oxymoron. I mean, we're, we're in a situation where we think we're connected because we've got a thousand Facebook friends, but we really don't have someone that we can call in the middle of the night. And that's what the church needs to be. We need to be brothers and sisters. Again, I keep talking about life groups, but this is the stickiness of the church. This is relationship. This is what makes the church great. It's these relationships that we have. When we're in, in relationship with one another, whether it's a men's life group or a ladies' life group or a couple's life group or a family life group, it's that relational connection. And, um, and so... That's, that will keep you connected because there's going to be days where you want to give up the race. There's going to be days where you want to walk away from it all. There's going to be days where you're just going to, I'm done. I mean, I'm out like a fat kid in dodgeball. I'm just out. I'm done. Don't get mad at me. I was that kid. I had husky jeans. So I'm just saying. I can say this. But we need to be around one another. We need one another. And we live in a world where we walk around each other. This isn't in my message, in my notes. I just want to camp out on this for a a second. And we just simply disregard this. We need each other. The book of Hebrews says, Forsake not the assembling or the gathering of yourselves together, brethren. But do it even so much more when you see the return of Jesus Christ is coming near. We need each other. This is how we remain. This is how we help each other. Be consistent in prayer. Be consistent in your prayer. Just find time where you're going to pray on a regular basis. And I'm going to say something here that you may not have ever heard before, but I think it's true. Consistency is more important than length when it comes to prayer. Because for you to have a regular conversation is more important than for every six weeks you have an hour-long talk with Jesus. It's better that in a day's time you spend 15 minutes a day than you spend two or three hours and, you know, every six weeks and just pour it all out. Um, It's about a regular contact. Think about it with with friendships that you have. Do you enjoy a regular communication, or is it just a sporadic? You like a regular communication? So find that time, whether it's your drive time. Uh, In this day and age, you can talk out loud in a car, and people just think you're on Bluetooth. They don't think anything about it. Trust me, I do it all the time. Um, You know, uh, at work, if you need to take your lunch break or take a break and just just go sit in your car. And if people think you're crazy, just hold the cell phone up. You don't have to even have it on. Just, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, they just don't know. It's just those times. But you need that time to get away and just to simply say, God, here I am. And there you are. That's how you remain. And the last is uh, remain faithful in service. Find an area to serve. Find an area to serve. Look, we all become navel-gazing Christians if we, don't, if we don't really commit ourselves to the Great Commission. And I'm not just talking about at life church. It may be a neighbor that's in need. It may be a person that's in need. It may be someone that's in need uh, in your world. And you make a conscientious decision that you're going to serve them. When you do that, listen, when you serve the world, God serves you. And these are ways that we remain. These are ways that we do this. So let me get back to the text. I want to talk for just a second about what happens if you don't remain. Because Jesus deals with this. And If you don't remain, he gives kind of a warning in John 15. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Zero. Big fat goose egg. If anyone doesn't remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. He dies. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, he's given an analogy here of basically if you don't remain in me, you're going to go to hell. That's what he's saying. Okay? So, but he's also talking about not just that, but there's no fruit in your life. If you don't remain in Christ, there's no fruit in your life. There's no, there, you're not going to accomplish, it, it's, it's going to be empty. You could have, you could be rolling in the money, but it's going to be empty. You could have everything that you want, but it's going to be empty. You're not really going to have what you're, what you're wanting. There'll be no fruit. I'm going to talk about what fruit means in just a minute. But there's also no future. You're going to be like a branch that's dead, that falls to the ground, that withers and dies. And what do you do with those branches? You collect them and you throw them in a fire. And, and so it's not a threat. It's just the reality of who we are. If we want to remain vibrant, if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to do that, then we have to choose to do that. We have to choose to remain. It's active on our part. And if we choose not to, then what happens is there's no fruit and there's no future. But he gives two great promises, two great reasons, two great benefits for remaining. And I want to give you those and kind of end today with that. First is spiritual fruit. Let me explain what fruit is. It's the same fruit that he's talking about that, that, uh, in verse, verse 5. He says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am in him, he will bear much fruit. And we just read the, the rest of that verse. If apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, so the reality is, is that if, if, if I remain in Christ and Christ remains in me, then I will bear much fruit. What's he talking about fruit? Are we talking about juicy fruit? Are we talking about pears, apples, oranges? What does he mean by fruit? If you have your Bible, turn over a couple of chapters to the book of Galatians. And Paul defines what this is. So the book of Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have the Bible, uh, it will be on the screen for you. But Galatians 5. Verse 22, Paul begins to give. Here's what the fruit that Jesus is talking about. This is what's meant by this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at this again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you go back to verse 5 of John 15, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much love. You will bear much joy. You will bear much peace. You will bear much patience. You will bear much kindness. You will bear much goodness. You will bear much faithfulness. You will bear much gentleness. You will bear much self-control. And everybody in the world, Whether you're up and over or you're down and out. Whether you're following God or you're not. Whether you're about the almighty dollar and you're working for yourself. Or whether you're the most selfless person in the world. We're all looking for those things. Everybody's looking for love. Everybody is. And the reality is, is you will never find a person on this planet that will love you the way you need to be loved. I tell this in premarital counseling all the time. Here's here's the thing. A cup symbolizes your life, and you get to choose what you fill the cup of your life with. And if you fill half of the cup of your life with Jesus, and you marry someone who fills half the cup of their life with Jesus, and you put those two cups together, what do you have? And yeah, you always say, you got a whole. No, you have a half, because the two become one. And if, and, but if you have a full cup of your life that's filled with Jesus, and a full cup of their life that's filled with Jesus, and the two come together, what do you have? You don't have two cups. You have one full cup. And here's what happens. We look for man. We look for people. We look for relationships, whether it's sexual, whether it's lustful, whether it's, it's within the confines of marriage. We look for those people to fulfill the need that we have for love because we all have this need for love. It's how we're wired. It's how we're created. It's why God sent his only son. But the reality is no person can love you the way you need to be loved. Accept Jesus. And then when you accept the unconditional love of God the Father through Jesus Christ his Son, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world without strings, without condition, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life, when you experience that love, then you can, first of all, you experience the love of the Father, then you can love yourself. And when you can love yourself, then you can love someone else. Tammy and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage on Tuesday. And here's what I'm telling you. She's wonderful. She's awesome. Hey, I'm wonderful and I'm awesome. But at the end of the day, the the, the bottom line is this. She can't give me and I can't give her that unconditional love. Only God can. But because she's received that from God and because I've received that from God, both of us came together at 23 years of age. And and we we stood at that altar before God and before man. And we made a commitment till death do us part, which... That's the way it would be. She'll kill me. So uh, and, until death do us part. I don't mean it like that. I mean like if I, okay, okay, everybody's with me. Until death do us part. But the reality is, is that she was able to receive the love of the Father and truly love herself, and she can love me. And I receive the love of the Father. I can truly love myself and love her. And I'm not looking for her to give me something that she doesn't have the ability to give me, nor her, nor me to give her something that I don't have the ability to give her. It's love. If you remain in Christ, that's what you're going to have. Joy. How many people are looking for happiness? Behind the steering wheel of a car, or behind some exotic vacation, or behind some address, or behind some purchase, or behind some relationship, or behind some job, or some academic performance. Look, apart from Christ, you will never have joy. It only comes from him. He's the creator. We're the creation. And the creator knows what's best for the creation. And he hardwired us in such a way, he genetically put us together in such a way that we need that connection. Peace. Peace. You want peace? Remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Patience. We don't like patience, but we like when other people have patience for us. Amen? I mean, we need that. Kindness. And the world that we live in today, oh, my stinking goodness. I, mean, I travel quite a bit, and it amazes me just how, like, do you really hate your job that much? Do you really hate life that much? Is it really that bad? And you just want to go, just be kind to people. Just just be kind. Um, it's because they don't remain in Christ. They remain in themselves. They remain in the flesh, and it becomes destructive. It becomes self-serving, and so it's all about them. I mean, you just go through all this goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, when you remain in Christ and he remains in you, you will bear those fruits in your life. You, those are not automatic. You don't get that. You don't get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control when you come to faith in Christ. You develop those things. How do you, how, Who's the initiator on the development? You, not God. Not God. So there's, there's fruit in your life. That's the benefit of remaining in Christ. And the last thing is spiritual power. There's spiritual power. Look at verse 7 of John 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And you translate that. That's exactly what it means. At the end of the day, that when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, there's power in your life to face the things that you're gonna face in this world Jesus said look man take 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 heat I mean you know take comfort in this you're gonna have trouble in this world it rains on the just and the unjust everybody has a bad day but you're in me and I'm in you and I've overcome the world I've done this I've navigated it's like it's like a, a guide that's taking you to the to the summit of the Himalayas I've been here before I've put a flag in the ground and I've, and I've descended a mountain, and I know how to do this. Just listen to me, and you'll be fine. It's that type of a deal. And it's power in my life, because we need power to live this life. We need power to live the world, because things are happening. You lose your job. Uh, uh, the economy goes bad. Um, you, 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 you have trouble with your kids, our uh, Relationships. Uh, people, things change, change, things shift on you. Uh, you can feel very powerless very very quickly. But when you remain in Christ and Christ remains in you, there's power to live this life. There's there's power for you to be able to overcome. There's power and strength for you to be able to accomplish. And that's what God wants. God wants you. Listen, God. God's not a cosmic killjoy. God wants us to walk in love and in joy and in peace and in patience and in goodness and in kindness and in faithfulness and in gentleness and self-control. He wants you to have power to overcome the world. That's why he came. You are more than a conqueror. See, a conqueror is one that goes into the bloody heart of the battle and overcomes and wins. More than a conqueror is a person that gets the benefit from the work of the conqueror. Jesus has already paid the price. Jesus has already gone to the bowels of hell and and, and defeated death, hell, and the grave and emerged victoriously. And all we need to do is remain in him. And as long as we're with him, we're okay. Okay. But when we go apart from him, that's when we get in trouble. When we kind of do it our way, that's when we get in trouble. But if we remain in him, we'll bear much fruit. There'll be love in our life. There'll be joy in our life. There'll be happiness in our life. There'll be faithfulness in our life. There'll be gentleness in our life. There'll be self-control in our life. These things, but they're a fruit. They're going to grow. It's going to develop. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not instant. It's not automatic. And there will be power to live this life. This is where people get off-roaded. So many times they give their life to Christ, they pray a sinner's prayer, and they think, okay, I'm done, I'm cool. You've just begun. Now the work is in remaining. Now the work is, is living and staying, abiding and dwelling in Jesus. And when you fall down, what do you do? You get back up. Why? Because 1 John 1.19 says, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single time. Regardless. Period. So I choose to remain. I choose to grow. I choose to develop myself and have these things. As I close today, I, I just, with this series of, of, of re, of, of back and again, I hope that you will go back to some of these messages, some of these talks, and that you'll go again, and that you'll review on a regular basis. It's the only way you know how to grow. It's the only way you know how to develop. That you'll evaluate. That that when you find yourself in situations where you've erred, where you've gone wrong, whether it's a gross, sinful error or whether you just made a mistake and, wow, I didn't realize I got here, that you'll repent, that you'll turn, that you'll change. This, This is ongoing in the life of a Christ follower. That you'll recommit yourself, commit again to the commitments that you've made to Christ, to one another, to the service of His church, and that you'll remain, that you'll just simply choose to stay and dwell. Make a decision. And if you will, your walk with Jesus will last. Remember, this journey following Jesus is not an easy journey. I'm just telling you, it's, this is not easy for any of us. And, and there are seasons of winter, there are seasons of loss, there are seasons of loneliness. It happens. But remember, Jesus is there growing and developing you to help you accomplish the desires that he put in your heart he that's began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So don't forget, don't give up. Go back to Jesus, go back to his words, and again, do what he's instructed you. And if you do, you will succeed. I, I think this is the most spiritual thing you can do in your life, is just don't quit. Just don't quit. And again, again, when I was 21, and I, I mean, I've i been preaching since I was 16, so I'm 42 now. And I mean, like in a weekend service and that kind of a deal. And uh, when I was 21, I really wanted to make sure that I executed everything correctly. So I wanted to execute scripture correctly. I wanted to make sure I had a homiletical, hermeneutical sound uh, outline. I wanted to make sure that, that, that I enunciated and dictated and paced and all those things are real important. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with all of that. But at 42, Here's what I just simply want to. I, I want to just kind of be a, almost a life coach in a way and just help everybody understand. None of, I, none of us are perfect. Because I think we think that things are perfect. And, and I remember, you know, early on doing this pastoring thing and, and preaching in, in my early 20s. It was about it was about what I was saying. It wasn't about what I was saying, it was about how I was saying it. And now it's not even so much how, what I'm, how I'm saying it, it's what I'm saying. It's the fact that we're all struggling. And I think there are times where on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday night you beat yourself up. Look, you're on a journey. So when you do, dust yourself off, get back up, and just choose to remain. Just don't quit. That's how you'll see God. That's how this will happen. It's not going to happen by perfection because you're not perfect. It's not going to happen by willpower because none of us are strong enough, fast enough, fit enough. Look, there's always going to be somebody else. It's not going to be about competing with someone else because there's always going to be someone better, faster, stronger than you are. But it's about making a decision that I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And when I fall down, I'm going to get back up. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm just going to stick with it. Because everything in our world just will pull at you and pull against this. Because it's the world in which we live in. But but as you continue to develop yourself, as you continue to grow in this, you'll become stronger and stronger and stronger. And it will become easier. But you'll still deal with it. There are seasons in my life as a pastor that I don't feel anything I don't spiritually I'm not moved by anything it's just a dry desert time Jesus went through the desert God's people went through the desert that's that's not just metaphorical it's reality for us and there are seasons where you're not going to and there's nothing wrong with you just don't quit walking towards Jesus just don't quit stop just don't stop <laughs> just don't quit just choose to remain, choose to stay, choose to abide. That's why John keeps going over and over and over. That's why I'm camping out on this point, because I think more people walk away from their faith in Jesus Christ over misinformation that they're not good enough, fast enough, strong enough, and none of us are. Look, if I only showed up at church on the weekends that I wanted to be here, if you only showed up at, on weekends at church you felt like being here, we battled this. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who understands our weaknesses. And he's touched. He's moved by the feelings of our weaknesses, by our inadequacies. That's why he loves us so much. So I just want to encourage you today. Remain. Don't quit. We're going to cross this line together like a band of brothers. We're not going to let anybody be left behind. I love what Moses said when they took the nation of Israel from Egypt, from bondage and slavery to the promised land. Moses said no hoof will be left behind. Not even the livestock will be left. We're all in this together. We're all fighting the devil together. But we're going to see Jesus. We're going to make it. You're going to make it. And you're not going to make it because you're perfect. You're not going to make it because you're good looking, although you may be some of you better than others. But but you're going to make it because you've made a decision in your heart that you're going to remain. And when you fail, you're going to get back up and you're going to lean on the grace of Jesus. And when you feel tired, you're going to lean on the grace of Jesus. And when you're not adequate enough, you're going to lean on the grace of Jesus because it's by His grace that we're saved. That's why we sing amazing grace. How sweet the that saved a wretch like me. Because we all feel that. We all deal with that. We all struggle with that. God's not looking for perfection, He's just looking for a, a heart that's broken and contrite before Him, that's humbled. This is God, I'm not, but you are. And if you can use me, here I am. Father, I just thank you today for your word. Thank you for the strength, I thank you for the life. I thank you, Lord, for the hope that it gives us. And I pray today, help me to remain. Help us to remain. To choose every day to follow you. And on the days that we miss it and the moments that we fail, to know that your grace is sufficient for us. That your strength truly is perfected in our weakness. That you understand like a father to a child and that actually you allow the struggle in our lives to produce strength. I pray, oh Lord, help us to lean on you, to follow you, to run this race together for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.